Welcome to a Frugal Athlete Podcast, where we interview athletes, both current and former, on the prudent financial practices and smart career decisions they are making. In these episodes, we dive into what it means to be a frugal athlete. You might think that frugal just means being cheap, but as you will soon learn, being frugal is more complex than that. Hey, what's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of a Frugal Athlete Podcast. Today, we got Sacramento legend, Blaine Scully. Uh, Blaine is someone that I've known for quite some time, someone I looked up to growing up, a world-class athlete. Fun fact, he used to be a water athlete, then he ended up somehow, we're going to get into it, becoming a rugby uh, Olympian. So we're going to talk all about his career, his transition, and his business moves from the lens of an athlete entrepreneur uh, that's now in the corporate space. So first and foremost, Blaine, how are you feeling today? Good to be with you, Moby. Glad we could finally make it happen. Now, nah, most definitely. Yeah, I feel like we've had a lot of overlap over our lives, but we never had time to like really just sit down and connect. So whether it's in a podcast or at a conference when we're like usually together, uh, it's always great to see you. But for the people that may not know you, quick rundown, quick background story on you as a person. Sure. Uh, like you said, Sac Town, proud. Um, grew up in Sacramento. Um, Typical American kid growing up playing everything, competing in everything, loving every minute of it. Um, as you also said, in high school, ended up as a water polo, basketball, and swimming. Uh, and then the original plan was to uh, play water polo. Decided that wasn't the right thing for me. Um, ended up finding rugby, and it was kind of what I was supposed to do all along. And uh, ended up uh, at Cal after uh, two years at UCLA. Um, Started playing for the national team while I was in, uh, in college and uh, made the Rugby World Cup squad in 2011, right after I graduated as a bolter and did the Pan American Games and then had an opportunity to go overseas and um, ended up over there for six, seven years and three World Cups and uh, just kind of an unbelievable experience and ride. Um, although, you know, that's, that's what the brief sounds like. It wasn't that straight of a trajectory. And, and as you know, better than anybody, you, uh, you have your moments along the path that, that really challenge you and stick with you, but also build you up at the same time. So try to dig into those. Uh, most definitely. And obviously every athlete deals with that transition, but you dealt with it in the height of your career. So what was that like? going from water polo to rugby and making that decision? Uh, I mean, I guess you just come to a point where you kind of just base a decision on gut. And I knew that wasn't uh, water polo wasn't what I was, you know, kind of really wanted to do and what I was passionate about. And I had a friend at Jesuit um, who, uh, who was, play who played at Jesuit and Jesuit for those of you who don't know is where Moby and I went to high school and uh, they had a very, reputable rugby program and won a few national championships. And he said, I really think you should try this game. And uh, I did. And it was kind of like everything I had ever played or competed at as a sport all wrapped in the one. And um, I knew that this was kind of my game and I connected with it and, and uh, knew I was in the right place. Yeah, most definitely. And then obviously after uh, college, I feel like everything happens so fast. You immediately go to the World Cup, immediately Pan Am Games. Um, did you have an like, idea of like the monetary lifestyle of a rugby player? Any insight into what that experience of a professional life would be? 
Well, I, I knew the place to do it was overseas. Um, and because uh, at that point, rugby had just kind of gone back in the Olympic program. So USA Rugby and, and uh, the U.S. Olympic Committee put together um, you know, kind of you know, first-time contracts for, for, for a squad to go down in Chula Vista, which is where they, the Olympic trainer is in, uh, just outside of San Diego. And, um, so I was one of the first athletes to sign one of those. Um, but you know, when I was kind of going through my path, I, my goal had always been to play overseas in the premiership or in Europe, um, and challenge myself against the best players in the world because I wanted to play against the all blacks, the spring box and the wallabies and the English and the Scottish and the French week in and week out to, to test myself against the best in the world, uh, in the best competitions. And so that was kind of firmly in my, my mind. And, um, you started working with agents and, you know, to hopefully facilitate opportunities and, and, uh, knew, knew a little bit around, um, you know, some of the monetary stuff, but also actually how challenging it was to get overseas. They have a limited amount of spots for foreign athletes, which I would have been classified as, um, and so I was competing for contracts against Australians and Kiwis and, and all those types of folks. And, and, uh, um, here I was an American kid trying to, trying to play this sport over there. And so, um, you know, finally after, uh, uh, a pretty serious injury, which put me out for nine, 10 months, I had uh, I ruptured my Achilles and tore my you know calf along with it rehab from that. And then as I came back, I entered the sevens program, which is the Olympic format. And then fifteens is the more traditional game. I uh, had an opportunity to try out at Leicester uh, in the premiership and um, two weeks turned into four weeks, which turned into a couple of years, which turned into my uh, career overseas. And uh, as you said, you know, um, you're learning how to manage, you know, agents or representatives and, and also figure out, you know, terms of contracts. And a lot of that, you just kind of learn on the fly. And I had some really good guidance of people who had been there and done that, but um, it's uh, it was an interesting experience when the um, the game doesn't become a game, is turns into a business, mm-hmm. right? And there's a whole bunch of other stuff that happens in order to allow you to then go play the game in a uh, in a meaningful way. So, at, at what point, you know, you talked about you know sports being a business, you know, you go from passion to you know competing with friends to like. No, this is to put food on the table. At what mm-hmm. point did you consider Blaine Scully? I'm a business, and I'm representing more than just my name on the back of my jersey. Um, playing at the national level, playing at the club level. How did you start thinking of yourself like I'm a corporate entity? Yeah, it's a strange thing, um, and I, I mean, I probably wasn't until the moment I had that contract in front of me, and I was you know, managing a situation between agents and, and, and the club itself and eventually got to the point where it wasn't the right dynamic. And I had to make a decision that I was going to deal directly with the club mm-hmm. um, because I felt like that was the best thing for me. And uh, it's, it's actually, I think a challenging thing for an athlete when you grow up your whole life and you are taught to be a team player and try to work with thing, work with everyone, you know, mm-hmm. try to park selfish behavior, but, you know, when it comes to the professional aspect of your life and you're negotiating a contract, as you said, to, you know, survive as a, as a, as a professional in the world and earn money uh, and put food on the table. 
it takes on a totally different dynamic. And I think there's a really positive way you can go about all that stuff. But uh, at the same time, the priority is is you and your well-being and making sure that um, you're doing the right things and make sure you're in a good position and not making decisions for everyone else. Um, and uh, and so that, that was a really eye-opening experience for me. And uh, being able to lean on some mentors who had gone through that experience was was hugely important, um, gave me some really good guidance. But as you said, ultimately, it's a mindset shift that that you have to kind of learn to be comfortable with. So, um, you know, having to make some of those hard decisions, really, you know, when, when you know, it's all stuff mom and dad used to take care of um, or, or coach, right? Yeah. You know, someone who, who you'd been a mentor and was looking out for you and all of a sudden it's in, the ball's in your court and you have to make some, some, some grown-up decisions. Uh, yeah, you bring up a great point. And one thing I always wanted to ask, you know, an athlete that plays overseas, we always usually have like basketball players. What's the dynamic from the standpoint of obviously off seasons, um, I'd imagine you come back to the States. So understanding that financial dynamic of you're making money overseas, but you're kind of still living one foot in the States, one foot overseas. How does that balance out? Yeah, so rugby is one of those crazy games where you really didn't get an off season. Um, you know, when when I was playing overseas, I also had national team responsibilities, and so when when you know the season ended, say in May, um, I had internationals in June, and then you know August for three weeks, or I had or excuse me, July for three weeks, I had a off season, and then I was back in preseason in August, and then. September kicks off again in the regular season. Then I have some internationals along the way. And so, but you, you bring up a, an interesting point around, you know, managing, you know, international currencies. I didn't know, you know, much about sort of the transaction costs and, and, uh, you know, exchange rates and all that stuff. Um, until kind of later on, I knew I was getting paid in pounds and I knew the dollar to pound, but thinking about, you know, how I sort of store that and, uh, manage that. Um, it wasn't something I necessarily uh, early on, um, you know, kind of really appreciated or understood. Um, and uh, so that was kind of an interesting aspect. Uh, you know, learning how to file your taxes if you are overseas and all the double taxation, getting taxed in the UK. And it's, it's a really interesting uh, dynamic as an international athlete and how you have to navigate and, and uh, manage you know, not just your money, but some of your compliance stuff that are responsibilities of a citizen. No, definitely. And then uh, from the standpoint of like, if you're, you know, I know you're very entrepreneurial. I'm not sure when that happened for you, but while you were overseas, when it came to like deal flow and things that you were looking at, was it looking at it stateside or looking at it from where you were currently at overseas? Well, so much of my stuff, um, I think, part of it was just organic from the standpoint of being really curious about things, um, you know, sport, whether it's sports technology or sports media and just trying to learn and, you know, absorb and put myself in positions to, you know, learn and inevitably ended up sort of creating relationships as a result of that. And then started chasing that curiosity. And all, all of a sudden I start meeting some people and, and, uh, and then getting exposure to things that I didn't, you know, really know or appreciate or understood until I was kind of there, which was, you know, all these startups who are creating value and, and have, 
have um, you know need of of strategic relationships or advisors that um, you know can be helpful. Whether it's you know kind of as a um, you know kind of sounding board, um, strategic guidance, and and so I, I would say you know I, I didn't necessarily think about it in a formal way. I would probably be able to do it a lot better now. How to if I was managing myself then, based on what I know now, but, you know, I kind of more stumbled upon that sort of world, um, just kind of through, you know, being curious about it and trying to learn and grow and, and, uh, um, you know, kind of the entrepreneurial stuff, you know, I found the players association and developed relationships with the NFLPA and then, you know, learned throughout about rep worldwide, which then led me to, you know, player licensing and then the value of player IP. And, you know, how that kind of now is front and center for everybody, uh, every athlete, whether you're in high school or a pro now. And uh, yeah. so it was just kind of a really interesting, um, interesting process from that standpoint. Uh, you brought up a great point. Just being naturally curious will open up so many doors for you um, as an athlete, whether you play in lacrosse or love rugby or soccer or basketball, just having that, you know, innate curiosity business people love that i think it's it served you well you talk about you know your time with the national team and obviously i know your story a little bit more than others but you were captain and represented the team at the highest level talk about that and how some of the things that you learned from sport have now translated to your current life in the corporate space and you know the entrepreneurial entrepreneurial space yeah i mean i think uh, it's really interesting, you know, thinking about my experience as an athlete in general, and then, you know, where I'm at now, so much of my experience was learning how to be on a team. And, you know, that's kind of, I think, at the core of any corporation or business is a group of individuals who come together to try to achieve things and create value. And, you know, I, I definitely see a lot of similarities between say consulting, which is as a world I'm in now to, um, you know, kind of my experience on certain high performing teams where you come together for a project. It's all about teaming, how the, how the individuals complement each other with different skill sets, you know, contribute to hopefully, you know, a, a deliverable, which in this case is, you know, helping a client solve a problem and then, you know, kind of going on to the next job. Um, and it's actually, it was actually a bit of, you know, my personal story around how I kind of articulate where I'm at in my career, which is, look, you're going to find people who are more experienced than me, um, who might be technically, uh, better in some areas because I'm still growing and, and learning that skill set. But I promise you, you won't find a better teammate or someone you'd want to work with because, you know, I'll work really hard. I'll be communicative and I set a high standard for myself personally. Uh, and professionally. So, and I think people appreciate that. And I think if you're going to bring that attitude, uh, no matter if you're on athletic field or a startup or, uh, you know, kind of the corporate world, you'll be okay. No, I really love that because a lot of times, a lot of athletes struggle, like translating the skills that they've learned, whether soft skills, hard skills, innate skills from sport into the corporate space. So the way you just you know, shared your story and how you uh, identify yourself, definitely see a lot of people gravitating towards that, not only because it's authentic, but it's transparent as well. So for the folks that um, 
uh, are looking to transition or have transitioned, what's one piece of advice from a technical side that you would recommend? Like, is it learning Excel? Is it learning how to make pitch decks? What's that one thing that you would recommend? Obviously you're in consulting, so it's a, it's a different niche, but what would that be for you? That's a great question. And, uh, and, uh, I mean, I think so much the confidence that you build up as an athlete is due to your technical abilities, right, in the sport you play. You know, whether it's kicking or passing or shooting or, you know, tackling or whatever it is, you can always hang your hat on your athletic ability, your ability just to go out and do your thing, and also your technical ability. And also, of course, like your ability to read the game and, and all that stuff. But you have some some core foundations in each one of the core areas to then build up yourself up on, be confident in what you can do day in and day out. And I found a lot of my work, uh, you know, while I felt confident in certain areas, like I said, being in, on a team, you know, interpersonally, you know, professional communications between myself and, you know, higher up individuals on the client side, whatnot, you know, the technical aspect, I didn't have to spend a whole bunch of time in Excel. I spent some time in, PowerPoint and developed a, a, a okay, I'd say, uh, skill set for it, but nothing to where I needed for my current role. And so, you know, I think actually, like you said, spending some time developing some of those you know, tools of the trade in regards to where you end up. I mean, those skills are useful, um, you know, because it's all about can you make a presentation and can you, um, can you get yourself in a position where you can manage and then have some analysis around data, right? Like, and that's the world, like you're going to present information, you're going to get information, you have to be able to analyze it. And so all those things, no matter where you end up, I say, are useful. Um, do you need to be, you know, an Excel wizard to have success professionally? No, but if someone sends you a bunch of information, can you kind of, you know, do a few things with it to, better understand it and then create a story off that and lean into your other skill sets. I think you're having that aspect around in the same way you'd want to be able to kick with your left foot are useful. Right. And so, you know, training those things that you might not be good at, um, I think give you confidence to then, you know, be in a position where, Hey, I, you know, I'm not totally out of place here. I I can kind of get by and what I know and keep figuring stuff out and Google's my friend. So (laughs) that's, (laughs) <laughs> That's a great segue. You Google is your friend, YouTube is your best friend. When it comes to like resources, were there any books, podcasts, resources that you searched for, you know, during your career when it came to, you know, business endeavors, but also in your transition in terms of, you know, helping you figure out what's next? Yeah, I, I obviously a lot of the stuff we're interested in, we, you know, spend time on business of sport and Bloomberg and Sportico now and front office sports and some of these, um, you know, business focused, focused sports publications, which exposes you to, you know, some of the language and nomenclature of that world, which, you know, so much of it is, is learning sort of language and, and kind of getting over some of the jargon. Um, and, you know, kind of, again, getting exposure to that early on. And so you don't feel out of place or at a disadvantage when, you know, somebody says something that's slightly different, but, you know, if someone was to put it in the basic terms, everyone would kind of know what you're talking about, but getting comfortable, you know, reading and talking in that language. And again, like you said, exposing yourself to podcasts and, and, you know, watching some of these business shows, but again, 
just reading straight up reading, you know, books and, and, you know, learning kind of, um, you know, the basics of, you know, finance or business in general and, and understanding some of those core aspects. So you can have a conversation with, with somebody. And, and again, like I, what I, what I kind of hope my whole career um, found most useful is being able to take things that are a challenge, break it down and to create some parallels to what I actually do know. Um, and, you know, that's sort of how I felt like I learned rugby. It was like all the things I knew, you know, box card together. And so I kind of segmented out the game so I could learn and grow in each one of those areas. And, and business is not that different. Um, you can find parallels and, and um, you know, kind of find those examples where you can like, okay, that looks a little familiar. And then you kind of get more and more time with it and then you figure it out. So obviously you had a very stellar career. Did you know when you wanted to retire or how did your retirement go come about? Yeah. So the plan was always to take a break after the 2019 uh, rugby world cup. Um, Mm -hmm. It had been a long road and it's, I mean, it was, you know, one of the, I'd say biggest honors of my life to captain the U S team, but it took everything. And, um, I was tired. And so I needed a break to sort of take a step back and regroup and rethink. And my wife and I were expecting our first baby. And, and so we came back to the States and, uh, had a few opportunities to go back overseas, um, at the start of 2020. Uh, but, you know, after a lot of conversation between the two of us and, you know, kind of reflecting on where I was at and what that would mean, um, it kind of came to the decision that now was probably the right time. And um, that was kind of the decision, really. It was, I'd done everything I'd wanted to do and it was probably time for what was next. And that was kind of it. Uh, We did it together and, you know, figured it out and just was starting to think about longer term what I wanted to do. I wanted to go back to school and all this stuff. And, um, and then, you know, that's when COVID happened or COVID pandemic shut down was basically a week after retirement. So that, that challenge kind of transitioned. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, you know, like everyone else just had to figure it out. So. No, most definitely. And uh, obviously, you know, it's wonderful that you had a, a partner to, you know, work this out with. Did it, When it came to like mapping it out, did you build like a emergency fund? Did you have like a set idea of like, these are the things that I'm going to try out. And um, if I like this one, that's what I'm going to go in. I know you mentioned school. So what was that like break process for you? Yeah. So we, I had some savings, which was, which was great. And I was actually, um, we negotiated an early exit from my contract in Cardiff to come back over uh, to the States. And, and so that, that worked out, um, uh, pretty well for us too. And, um, yeah, the plan was to try to get as much exposure to as many different things as possible. That was the initial plan. And I was doing some stuff with NBC sports that at that time, you know, started to have some more advisory type relationships with a few sport technology startups. And it was pretty interested in, you know, kind of that space and, um, and then yeah, pandemic happens and then it's kind of, Oh crap, what do we kind of do from here? Um, you know, and, and again, my personal situation was that 
um, my wife had accepted a full-time job and in the, in the, the greater Washington DC area and having, uh, you know, followed me and left her career, uh, in from the Bay area to live with me overseas. It was, it was her turn. And so I, I said, you know, this is kind of the right thing for us, for our family. And, and let's go chase, chase this down and I'll kind of figure it out. And, um, so that's what we kind of started doing. And I looked at schools and started, you know, taking some of those tests. And eventually after a lot of conversations with, with, uh, my mom in particular, um, you know, ended up going, deciding on an executive MBA because I was hoping to work and go to school at the same time. And, you know, eventually was trying to figure out where the best first place to start was and settled on consulting, you know, and, and that was what I thought would give me the most exposure to the most things as quickly as possible. Cause I was pretty keen on accelerating my development as quick as possible. Um, and, um, you know, that's kind of how I ended up in that whole world. And now it's been at the job for a year and I'll finish my executive MBA next month. So, Congratulations. um, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate it. It's been a slog. <laughs> Uh, I feel like, but if anyone can do it, athletes can do it. You know, you've been yeah, exactly. an athlete and, you know, you know the grind. So I'm sure you're, you know, excelling with flying colors. So that's really amazing to see. I appreciate that. No, most definitely. Before I let you go, obviously rugby is a niche sport, at least. In yeah. this. How are you able to brand yourself for these opportunities? I know it comes a little bit easier, you know, being the captain, being one of the faces of the, uh, of the nation, but for someone that is coming up in the, in the ranks, whether at, you know, Cal or some of the other marquee schools that are focused on rugby, what are some ways that you were able to brand yourself for opportunities, not both business, but also um, social and digital as well? Yeah, no, I think it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, thankfully, you know, had, had some help in that area. Um, and, uh, you know, thinking pretty thoroughly about, like who I am and what I'm about. And, you know, cause I, I really do think that, you know, social media is a tool um, and it's not something you should live for, but it's a powerful tool as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I found actually in my transition, some challenges around using my platforms because I was still trying to figure out who I was as you know, not an athlete. Right. And I think as an athlete, I found, you know, what I was kind of about, which was, you know, teams and leadership and, and all those, you know, all those things. And those were very authentic to who I was. And I think that's, it's a really important uh, aspect. Everyone always talks about authenticity, but I think it's true because my opinion, social media should be an extension of your character um, and, and your passions. And uh, um, it kind of just allows you to you know, tell your story broadly. And, and, you know, people are, you know, way more adept than I am. But for me, that's how, what was the right fit based on who I am was, was to use. Um, you know, I, I always struggled kind of documenting my life. Um, you know, but that being said, you do certain things and you have people who want to follow you. And, and, and in some ways it's, it's not only good personally, but it's also good for growing the sport in my case. Right. And so, you know, finding that right balance where, you know, how do you, how do you kind of share who you are with, you know, people who care and want to connect and leverage it for, for good, but also not have it, um, you know, sort of 
drive everything that you do as well. And it's a really tricky, I think, balance to get because I always wanted to keep the main thing with the main thing, which was performing on the field. Um, yeah, it's great. You have a bunch of following, but if you're putting up bells every week, then, you know, people, people aren't going to hang around for long. So, um, you know, being thoughtful around all that stuff is important. And then, yeah, like, like I said, making sure that you kind of find out what's important to you, what's your voice. And then, you know, what do you have to say and, you know, kind of double down on it. Um, you know, again, my, my, my thought was always to try to be as positive as I could. Um, that's my personality, uh, you know, growth mindset, being positive, you know, learning and, and exposing myself to, you know, people who are going to make me better teammates and leaders. Those are the kind of conversations I want to be and hope to facilitate as well. Yeah. What's, what's, uh, before I let you go, what's one thing, you know, you had your own podcast. Uh, we're waiting on, we're waiting for it because it was a really excellent podcast. What are some of the biggest lessons that you learned from the guests that you interview? It's, it's, um, so for background, my, the podcast was sort of how sport teaches you. Um, and for, in this particular case, they were mainly, you know, executives in all sorts of organizations, how their athletic experience kind of helped shape them and define, you know, how they thought about their professional world. And, and I think there's some core things, but it, it's pretty incredible to reflect on, you know, the overall power of sport as a, as a shaper and, you know, learning, uh, and again, I don't think you have to be an athlete to sort of do this, but athletes can, you know, appreciate it because they live it, which is, as you said, athletes know, uh, especially those who, who achieve at the highest level, what it takes and what excellence looks like, right? And, you know, some athletes are, are more talented than others, but I found in my experience, talented athletes who don't really buy into that other side, you know, they might have a good game or a good season or whatnot, but they don't tend to have great careers. Those athletes who, who are talented, but are driven by something more, you'll have that, um, that work ethic, that desire, the mindset that they're going to achieve. And they know what that looks like and what that feels like. And also what's required in order to realize that. Um, that's a, a distinguishing factor. And that doesn't seem to be that much different in the corporate and business world. You know, those people who know what excellence looks like, who knows what high standards look like, who can, you know, get people to buy into a vision and then be really disciplined about achieving that day in and day out. Um, you know, those are teams that you want to be on. Those are companies you want to work for. Those are people, bosses you want to work for. And those are people you, you want to be with. And, and again, that that's pretty universal. And that's that was what I found is the most interesting thing is, is sort of that mindset and approach and you know, how we think about culture and how we drive that culture and and the places you want to be and the teams you want to be on are are usually those you know really demanding but really positive experiences that you know kind of pull you in uh, and then you know you push yourself right because you're pulled to do more and be more. So, oh, that's amazing. So. Moving forward, long-term vision, Blaine Scully Enterprises. What does that look like? <laughs> Man, I can't, I can't stop disclose state secrets. But <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think 
one of the interesting things yeah that i found is a challenge is is the change sort of in you know the feedback cycle like each and every week as an elite level athlete you expect feedback every day every hour and then every week and you're on that cycle right and you know the 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 training cycles and, and how you experience and grow um, and how that extends over the course of the season and all that stuff. But in the professional world, the time horizons are different, right? And your growth trajectory is different. And I, and I'm at a different point in my career where I'd say I'm still in preseason mode, right? I, everyone, everyone hates the, you know, preseason get fit mode, but everyone likes to be fit. Yeah. And so I think I kind of the way I'm looking at, where I'm at right now is I'm, I'm developing some fitness to hopefully then build, have as a foundation for later on in my career. And, and, um, you know, I'm trying to play the season I'm in. So, so much of what I'm thinking about is, Hey, how can I learn as much as I can now? How can I build and develop all the tools now? Um, even the stuff that I'm not good at and I don't particularly enjoy, but will be useful later on because you'll have exposure to things you didn't have exposure to before. And you'll be able to have conversations you weren't able to have before. And, and so that's kind of where I'm at is I'm, I'm trying the best I can. And it's really hard as an athlete who was always worried about the next play and where they're going, how they get better and all that stuff is like, Hey, you're, you're in a different part of your career. You're not in that part of your career where everything's fine tweaking, like elite level, you know what everything looks like. You have your routines like, you know, how, like with, with great accuracy, how you did on any given day, I'm still very much that, you know, that early on, um, athlete who's learning how to run, walk, lift, pass, shoot, all that kind of stuff. And, and that beginner's, yeah, that beginner mindset is, is, is a challenge to get your head around, but it's important, I think, cause you know, that, that, that mental health aspect is actually a real thing, I think you know, being kind to yourself and being realistic where you're at and not punishing yourself for things you aren't yet, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's easy for an athlete to do uh, because because of what was one of the probably core reasons why they're successful to begin with, right? Exactly. <laughs> you, know? um, you hit the nail on the head. And I think it's a great way to close because like you said, athletes, especially being at the top of the top for so long, moving into a new sport or a new space or a new season, as you said, uh, it can get frustrating and it's like, hold up. This is the season that you're in embrace preseason or embrace mm-hmm. uh, playoffs or embrace, you know, the down periods, because that's where you're going to, you know, level up and rise. So I really yeah. think it's important. And I think that's great advice. And I'm definitely going to make some content around that. So if you see a tag uh, in a couple, couple days, there's no, absolutely why that is, but, but I really want to thank you so much for the time and those late where you are. Um, if anyone would want to connect with you, follow your journey, how can they do so? I know you're a pretty private person, but if they're looking to follow some of your endeavors. No, uh, social media at Blaine Scully one on Instagram, which I'm not as active with uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, like shoot me a message. I'll try to get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, yeah, Don't be a stranger. I can give out my information, whoever is keen for it and have a conversation with them. So. No, most definitely. And the people want to know, and by people, I mean me, when is the podcast coming back? Is it coming back? What's that looking like? Maybe, maybe next year, maybe next year. Yeah. Well, once again, thank you so much. Congrats to you and your family. Hopefully by the time this podcast is uh, live, 
you will be a father of two. So wow. Congratulations. Crazy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you once again. Please make sure if you're listening, subscribe, leave a review. Um, it helps us continue to find wonderful guests on our show. Uh, once again, Blaine Scully, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. And we'll continue to give you weekly podcasts. Catch you all later. Thank you for tuning in to this podcast episode. For more information, check out the show notes and go to our website, www.afrugalathlete.com. If you enjoyed, please leave a favorable rating and review and share and subscribe. Thank you so much.